Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation about the biggest stories out of the Vatican. In this episode, Jerry and I talk about the acquittal of Cardinal George Pell. Then we'll update you on a few ways that Pope Francis is challenging the church to serve the people most in need during this coronavirus crisis. I'm Colleen Telly. This is Inside the Vatican. All right. Good morning from New York, Jerry. Good afternoon from sunny Rome, Colleen. The spring is coming here and the market in the Campo di Fiore, it's half open. So this is a sign of encouragement to people. We feel we may be close to peaking and so going into a plateau, but we're not sure. Yeah, I think I think New York is still approaching our peak. After spending 405 days behind bars, Australia's most prominent Catholic, Cardinal George Pell, is today a free man. Um, let's talk first today about um, the story that broke last night on uh, April the 6th. So after almost five years of hearings and trials and appeals, Cardinal George Pell's conviction of child sexual abuse has been overturned. This uh, was overturned by Australia's highest court, and so Cardinal Pell will go free. Um, and the question at hand, the court said, uh, was not about the credibility of the evidence presented against Cardinal Pell so much as there not being enough evidence. Um, now, the Vatican's been really measured over the years when responding to this case. Um, so, Jerry, I guess to start us, uh, have we had any comments from the Vatican or Pope Francis on this so far? The Vatican said three things. One, they have confidence in the justice system in Australia. They welcome the decision to overturn his case. Secondly, they recall that he's always pleaded he was innocent, insisted on in his innocence. And thirdly, they say they express concern for the victims and say the church is always ready to uh, try to eliminate and to ensure that this abuse doesn't happen in the future. Mm-hmm. So that was the comment from the Vatican. Now, the Pope this morning said, he he spoke about, uh, in terms of the Holy Week, about the unjust sentence. He was talking about, we've seen it against Jesus. This was in the context of his daily Mass, right? In the introduction to the daily Mass, which is now followed by millions of people every morning. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's translated into different languages, and it's got really a global audience now. So people watch what he says. And he, he spoke about the unjust sentences, which are often produced by prejudice or somebody hounding the person that's being accused. And uh, so he said, let's pray for those who suffered from unjust sentences. And obviously he was referring, he seemed to be alluding to Cardinal Pell, though he never mentioned his name. That's how it was interpreted here. His point was, it's always been his point. He says that we have to let justice run its course. We've got to respect justice. But there must be the presumption of innocence on the part of the person who's accused, and there must be due process. Um, so I want to ask you about this comment from the Pope. So this was this was later tweeted uh, as as a tweet from the Pope's account, but this was originally a comment from Mass, and he he kind of he used this um, Italian phrase that I think is kind of hard to translate. Um, I'm not going to try to say it, but uh, it got translated in the tweet as you know these these uh, unjust sentences coming because someone had it in for another person. 
And I, I kind of, I wanted to ask you about this because it seemed like that was a little out of step with the rest of the Vatican's response to this. Like for so long, they've been saying, you know, they didn't want to say anything bad about the person who brought the accusation, right? They, they wanted to be very sensitive to that. And then, you know, for, for this to kind of say, oh, this happened because someone had it in for, for Cardinal Pell. Um, it just seemed, yeah, kind of, kind of jarring given the other things that we've heard out of the Vatican. I think you've got to read the whole sentence. He, he spoke about all those persons. He's not just speaking about mm-hmm. one. Obviously, there's an allusion to one, but he's all, all, all speaking about. And it's true that if you followed the climate in Australia, there were some who would, you know, go on a lynch mob against Bill. It was quite clear. And when this, it was very interesting yesterday that all the seven judges of Australia's top court came to a unanimous decision within a month that each of the charges against Pell was flawed in terms of the, the weight that was given to the complainant, that's the alleged victim, and the weight that was given to those who were speaking in defense of Pell. And they were effective. They did not go into the merit of the case, Colleen. It must be very clear. Right. Mm-hmm. But they, they went into the process by which the decision was made. And they said, could the ju- jury have really made that decision, unanimous decision, when they didn't seem to really give the same weight to each position? Mm-hmm. And so they said, they concluded it was not beyond a reasonable doubt. And for that reason, they concluded that the conviction had to be squashed and he had to be filed as acquitted. Now, Jerry, the Vatican also had a, a canonical investigation um, that they were planning into several different charges against Pell, not just this one that the Australian appeal concerned. Um, but they were holding off on that until after the appeal. So I'm wondering, is that going to go forward um, now that the Australian legal system has has quashed the conviction? Now, the Vatican in March 2018, after Pell was condemned and sentenced to prison and went to prison, they said they were opening an investigation into the allegations against him. Mm-hmm. At the same time, they said, but they would wait to proceed until the final Australian judicial process had ended, so as not to interfere in any way with that. Right. Now, what has happened in between? Pell has spent 400 days in solitary confinement, 23 out of 24 days in prison by himself. He's a man of 78 going on 79. And in the code of canon law, if you're already punished for a crime, which is not proven that you committed then that's a mitigating factor. So what I'm picking up from people here is that it may well be that they will uh, terminate the canonical process, given that he has been through this 400 days in prison, plus for crimes that now the Supreme Court of Australia, not the Church's Court, the Supreme Court of Australia says uh, were not proven. It seems like, I mean, I feel like we have to take into account, I feel like the Vatican has to take into account that, you know, this investigation 
that they were going to do was going to concern several different cases, not just this one, right? Like, it, I don't know. It's hard for me to imagine that this wouldn't be a, a blow to the church's credibility if they chose to not pursue the investigation just because this one charge had been had been quashed. But this was a very big charge. It wasn't just one. It was the one that sent him to prison. Uh, second, and it was the worst charge. Mm-hmm. It was the one that could lead to his defrocking if it had been proved conclusively. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it wasn't just any charge. Secondly, I, th- I think you've got to realize that there's also declarations in Australia that there are other cases are going to be brought against Pell in Australia, civil cases. Mm. The third thing is that the Royal Commission, which did its work over five years into all the institutions in Australia, produced its report, I think it was maybe two years ago, but it redacted, it omitted the parts that related to Cardinal Pell. Did they redact it because they didn't want it to influence the trial? They redacted it because they did not want to prejudice the judicial process that was underway. And I I think everybody accepted that this was a correct uh, procedure. Yeah. Now that that judicial process has terminated finally, uh, they are now free to publish this. I I sat in on this commission, the Royal Commission's hearings, which were done from Rome when the Cardinal was there, and they were doing it by video conference from Australia. And uh, it became very clear at the end that their assessment of the Cardinal and how he handled the abuse case was pretty negative. So I I expect that to come, and that will be another factor. So in in a way, Cardinal Pell is now free. He's in uh, the convent in Melbourne. He will be able to say mass for the first time in more than a year, but he is not really free to walk the streets because for his own safety, I would suspect, because there's a strong body of opinion against him. He's got a strong body in his favor, mm-hmm. but uh, it's it's a difficult situation. Absolutely. All right, Jerry, you know, we talked about how this story is developing. Uh, We will keep our listeners up to date here on Inside the Vatican, and they can also follow your coverage of the ongoing investigations and and different details about Cardinal Pell's case at americamagazine.org. For our next story, Pope Francis has designated $750,000 for an emergency fund that will help the Catholic Church in parts of Asia, Africa, Oceania, and Amazonia, where the church is a major provider of social services like hospitals and schools. Um, This is prompted by the coronavirus pandemic and also the economic difficulties coming from that. So, Jerry, you know, you've covered the church in many of these places over the years. Can you explain why getting money to these church organizations in these places is is so important at this point? Well, if you have a nightmare in the United States as this uh, coronavirus spreads and, you know, how many will be die, how many will be infected, etc. In Africa, they have a multiple nightmare because not alone... Have you a vulnerable population, a poor population, many, many, many poor people, but you also have a lack of health care structures. You don't have hospitals in many places. You don't have doctors. You you, you don't have nurses. Uh, take Malawi. I, I, I read the other day, I don't think there are 10 doctors in the whole country. And if that gets hit, 
I mean, with you in New York, you're talking about getting ventilators. A ventilator is is like something from outer space from many of these places, and the Pope is very well aware of this. Remember, he's visited I don't know is it five or seven African countries, but he's he's met the bishops from from most of them. If the virus hits, these are in enormous difficulty, and the loss of life could be immense. And Francis is trying to be a step ahead of the virus though it's reaching there. But he said, let's come in, let's give them at least a minimum coverage. And so he, he's put uh, three quarters of a million dollars into the kitty and invited other people around the world to give that money to the pontifical mission societies in the different countries. Right. Now, we should mention that it's important that this money is going to the church specifically and church organizations specifically, because in many of these places, they're they're the only provider of these kinds of social services, education. Um, you had some t- statistics in your story that I want to call out, which is uh, in, in Africa alone. Uh, so there's a population of 1.3 billion people in 54 countries, but you know more than 74,000 religious sisters and 46,000 priests are operating 7,000 hospitals and clinics, plus 2,000 homes for the elderly, educating 19 million children in 45,000 schools. Like These are the major providers. You can't always count on the, the government in these places to, to provide these services. So in many cases, it's the church. Yes, because, uh, but when you're talking about the ch- church, you have to realize that these are providing them for people of all religions and none. Right. They're providing them to not just Christians, but also to Muslims, mm-hmm. to people of traditional religions in Africa. They're just open. And in, in Asia, they're providing them to whoever, the, the Buddhists, the, the Hindus, whoever the, the, they're coming to. The church is providing health care and education to so many people. Mm-hmm. And it's also the reason why many people are joining the church, because they're seeing that they're showing a love of God for the people. Okay, Jerry, that brings us right into our third story for today, which is about um, kind of a high-profile fundraising ask that came out of the Vatican this week. Um, So on Monday of this week, April 6th, Cardinal Konrad Krajewski, the papal almoner, who we've talked about a number of times on this show, he wrote a letter to 250 cardinals, bishops, and church prelates in Rome asking them to make a financial offering for Holy Week. Um, just to be clear, this, this is separate from the emergency fund that we just talked about. It's not clear if the money would go there. But I want to talk to you, Jerry, about how it's it's pretty abnormal for the papal almoner to request money from the bishops, right? Um, why did he do this? It's unprecedented in, in as far as I know. Uh, it's clear that the Pope is following very carefully what's happening. He realizes the, the misery in which uh, some people are trying to fight the virus. He realizes even in, in places like Italy, there are places which don't have the equipment. But he sees that, you know, here are all the cardinals and bishops and uh, prelates who would happily come to my Easter Mass. Mm-hmm. They would sit there in comfort, etc. It's time they, they, they got connected with the real world. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not saying that in that kind of blunt way. Mm-hmm. But I think this is, I mean, 
Cardinal Conrad would not have asked of the cardinals of the Roman Curia, both those who are in office and those who are retired, or are the archbishops or bishops, those who are in office and those who are retired, total 250, without having got the green light from the Pope. Mm, okay. Because the, the, these would come back to the Pope and say, well, what's he doing? Uh, but Cardinal Conrad is the Pope's right-hand man for reaching out to the poor of the world, first in the city, but elsewhere too. And uh, I, I think this is really a very strong signal. The Pope is saying, right, you know, we all have to put our hands in our pockets and bring out the wallets and put them, put them on the table. These people are dying. These people are suffering. These people have got no help. And so the, the Cardinal Conrad said, this, the Pope is going to use this money at his discretion for the health emergency linked to coronavirus. Right. And Cardinal Conrad is the one that we, we talked about recently, um, who was housing the homeless during the virus, right? So he's he's really on the front lines of this. He's on the front lines of, of, the, of the combating poverty here in Rome. He, he, he's the one that had the idea of putting in the, with the Pope's blessing, of putting up the showers under the papal window, to, uh, to going out at night, uh, giving sleeping bags and finding places to sleep for poor people. I remember, I, maybe I told you on this program once, I went to church one Sunday, and I heard the parish priest saying, last Saturday night, I called Cardinal Conrad because there was a, there was a couple in my parish and the man was going to commit suicide because he didn't have the rent. Oh my goodness. And Cardinal Conrad came and he, he, he helped him and convinced him not to. Wow. So what we're seeing um, from Pope Francis here, you know, uh, since he was kind of behind this request, or at least approved it, is is the sense of holding the church hierarchy to a high standard, right? He's he's asking them to to give extra of themselves, to put their comfort on the line, to to help people in need. Um, that seems to be something that's been really important and that he's talked about quite a bit this week. And that brings us right into our uh, a little update that I wanted to to give on the Palm Sunday Mass. Um, Pope Francis really called on people to kind of put themselves on the line, and especially young people. Guardate ai veri eroi che in questi giorni vengono alla luce. Non sono quelli che hanno fama, soldi e successo, ma quelli che danno se stessi per servire gli altri. He said to look at the heroes who have come to light in these days. He says, quote, they're, they're not famous, rich and successful people. Rather, they're those who are giving of themselves in order to serve others. He says to young people, feel called to put yourselves on the line to put your lives on the line. Do not be afraid to devote your life to God and to others. Um, and I don't know, I, you know, I was thinking about this and especially just as a young person thinking about how what we're being told right now is, you know, stay home, practice social distancing. So, so I'm wondering what it looks like to kind of put your life on the line right now, what, what he means by this. Do you have any insights on that? Well, first of all, as you just said, I mean, being responsible to, to stay at home when the government tells you stay at home uh, so that you don't be a risk to other people. But also, as, as the Pope said, you know, pick up the phone, call people, send messages to people, may, maybe give some funds to some, some worthwhile project. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I've always been struck by the, the the Pope blends two things. He blends the very strong spiritual message, and so on Sunday, Palm Sunday, and right through this week, he has those two famous images, mm -hmm. the miraculous cross that 
helped to lift the plague from Rome in 1522. And then the, the icon of Our Lady, the protectress of Rome, who helped to lift the plague in the 6th century and the cholera epidemic in the 19th century. So he's, he has those images before them. And then the second image he offers is of all these people who are working on the front line, the doctors, the, the nurses, the people who are running these supermarkets, who are running, providing food, that are, food arrives into the cities, to the markets. He's all these people. He said, these are the heroes. Mm-hmm. You know, not your reality show folk. If he doesn't say that, but that's the background message. And he said, you know, look to the real heroes and build your life following their experience. And uh, uh, so, you know, there's today, we're asked to live in this way, but there's also tomorrow. So Francis has the eye on today and tomorrow. There's the period of the uh, uh, pandemic, and there's the period after the pandemic. And he wants them also to think ahead. Right. It was an emphasis on on putting your whole life in the service of others, right? Not not just right now. And I think that it, it got read by some people, this comment, as being about, you know, oh, you should you should be running out. You should be putting yourself in risky situations. And it's like, okay, sure, if you're a doctor or a nurse, if you if you feel really called to do something like that while while also keeping others safe, um, that is something that that fits into this, as we've seen with the heroes of today. But more importantly, or perhaps with a longer view, it's it's about really dedicating your life to others, was what he was calling on people to do. Yes, what he said on that uh, Friday, 27 March, when he said about, you know, this is the moment of judgment, not God's judgment, but our judgment about how we decide to move forward, how we decide to live our life, how we work out what really matters and what doesn't. All right, Jerry, we are going to have an interview with uh, Archbishop Arthur Roach, who works in the Congregation for Divine Worship. That will come out on Saturday. So you and I will not chat until uh, after Easter. So uh, a blessed Holy Week to you and a happy Easter. And, and thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Well, I wish a happy Easter to all our listeners. And I hope that uh, the coronavirus passes quickly through the States and doesn't take too many people with it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. All right, we will see you next week. Inside the Vatican is a production of America Media. This episode was produced by Sebastian Gomes. Inside the Vatican is mixed by Noah Levinson. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americamagazine.org or follow us on Twitter at I-N-S-D-E Vatican Pod. That's inside without the second I. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm Colleen Deli. Stay safe, take care, and we'll see you next time.